If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. All right. Well, it's good to see all of you here. And uh, we are continuing in our series, I Will, talking about our spiritual resolutions for the year and really for our lives. That these things must be part of our lives on a consistent, regular basis. And the first week we talked about reading our Bible every day and the importance of that because the Word is life to those who find it. It's health to all of their flesh. That's a very good reason to be in the Scriptures. Life and health. That's what the world is continually vying for, right? You got to exercise. You got to eat right. You got to take this pill and do this thing and develop these healthy habits and get good sleep at night and you know do all this kind of thing so that we can we can live life to its fullest and have long life. And it's something that we're all this, this men are wanting to do. Nobody wants to die. Amen. But as Christians, death has been conquered. And really all we do, the scripture says, is we just go to sleep in Jesus. And at the moment we close our eyes, we wake up more alive than we ever could ever dreamed or imagined. That's our reality. And that's the reality that, that God has for anyone who will believe on him. It's beautiful. Uh, but the scripture, the word of God is life to us who find it. It's health to all of our flesh. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So it's important to have this in our lives. Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Your life is not just made up of that which you eat. <laughs> kind of is. The next week we talked about I will pray and having a daily set time, appointed time where we meet with God. We speak to Him. Prayer is voiced. Meditation is thought. Different thing. Well, I pray in my head. Well, you're not praying. Praying is voiced. It's with your mouth because your mouth, that tongue in your mouth is guiding your life. That's why you need to open your mouth and guide your life in the right direction. And if you'll direct it toward God, then your life will go in a very good direction. All right? Yes. Prayer has a voice. David said, with my mouth will I make known your faithfulness. Amen. See, no evidence in the scripture of silent prayers. None. Now, there are med there are, there's meditation on the Lord. To think to the Lord. Think on the Lord. Think on his word. Think on his goodness. There's lots of admiration, uh, admonition from the, in the scriptures to think good things. And, and uh, you know, Paul gives us a list in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Uh, whatever's lovely, whatever's just, whatever's noble, all those things. Think if there's anything praiseworthy, if, if there's anything virtuous, think on these things. But prayer is a whole different deal. It is voiced. Paul says, I will pray in the spirit and I will pray with the understanding. Now, we can pray with our understanding, but that's a limited kind of prayer. That's why we need the help of the Holy Spirit. That's why he gave us this beautiful language that we can speak in other tongues, not even understanding those things. Matter of fact, the scripture says the mind is unfruitful, but the spirit, he who prays in a tongue, his spirit prays. Man, that, that is such an advantage for us because we know when the Holy Spirit is praying, when our spirit is praying, communing with God, the scripture says that we, the spirit prays according to the will of God. And we don't always know what the will of God is for every situation. We know what the will of God is through his word, but there are very specific things that sometimes we just, we don't know because we have limited understanding. And that's why we have to rely on the spirit of God who knows. 
who there's an anointing that we have inside us that, is, that teaches us all things. We have the spirit of truth in us who abides with us, who guides us into all truth. Amen. And, and so we can know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Why? Because the prior scriptures say, because the per- spirit prays, makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Yeah. See, the will of God is good. Yeah. The will of God is that every situation turn out for good. Right. Yeah. Oh, we serve a God who is so good and who loves us yeah. and who can absolutely be trusted with every part of our lives. That's why we can pray in confidence. That's why we can pray boldly. That's why we can approach God boldly. As a matter of fact, that's how you come to me. Come boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is the reality of the relationship that Jesus brought to us, the relationship with God that we now have through his precious blood that was poured out for us. And then today, we're gonna talk about serving God. I will serve. Everybody say, I will serve. All right, your, your life as a child of God is, is so important to this world, so important to others that you are made, now that you have the nature of God, you are made to give now, yeah. right? And I don't know about you, but I have found in my life, whenever I fall into a funk, whenever, you know, when you just kind of seem to have that kind of hazy gray cloud hanging over you, I found those were the times that I was looking more at myself than anything else. And not looking up and realizing what my real purpose is, is to give, to serve, to look to others, to help others, to reach out. And every time I've done that, it's cured that. Every time. And I just want to just throw a challenge out there to you. If you are in that place where you're feeling funky... Not in a good funk. I like funk music, but <clears throat> I mean just down. Pick up the phone and call somebody and pray for them. Go do something for them. Give somebody some money. Do something. Give of yourself. And at that moment, you'll see, oh, okay, all right. Now I'm living in what God has called me to live in. All right, because the life of God is not only called to flow to you, but through you. Now, you can go to your Version Bible app. If you have that on your electronic device and search One Cause Church, uh, click on the live button, and uh, I've got some notes for you to follow by today. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58 says, Therefore, this is the amplified version, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be firm, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always being superior, excelling, doing more than enough in the service of the Lord. Now, that's how you have a superior life. That's, why you have, that's how you have a life that is continually excelling because you are of the mindset that you, do, you can do more than enough, right? Good enough is not good enough in the kingdom of God, amen? And, and, and if there is a good enough, we're not the ones who judge what is good enough, because our lives are accountable to him. Amen? Yeah. He's the one who created us, so he knows what's good enough. Yeah. Yeah. All right? I mean, he, I guess he showed us one place where it was good enough when he created the world in six days and said it was all good, then he rested on the seventh. Now, if you can do that, then maybe you could get to the place where he said good enough. <laughs> if you can create the world. All right. But until, <laughs> so until then, we do more than enough for the service of the Lord, knowing and being continually aware that your labor in the Lord is not futile. It's never wasted or to no purpose. I love that. Now, I have wasted time. I have. Thanks to YouTube. 
I have wasted time before, right? But anytime I ever put into the house of God, into the church, into the people of God, no matter how small that service might have been, it was never, ever meaningless. As a matter of fact, there's great reward for it. And I found that my, the, the, the fulfillment and the satisfaction in my life was directly connected to how I serve the house of God, period. I'm standing here today as a testimony. I'm not just here as a preacher telling you what you need to do. I'm here telling you this is the story of my life. The church of the living God has saved my life and made me a better man, made me a better husband, made me, made me work harder and be more diligent, made me make better choices to talk better, to treat others better. I'm, and, I, and I owe, I owe it to the house of God to be here and to do what I can. So do you. Amen. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Matthew chapter 25. Let's turn there for a few minutes. Matthew chapter 25. Jesus is um, giving a story or a parable. Verse 14, he says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Whose goods did they get? His goods, not their goods. He gave his goods to them. The first thing I want you to write down Today is what I have, I do not own. What I have, I do not own. It's true. You don't own it because you're all going to die someday. And what you have is going to be passed down to other people. And what seems so valuable and so precious to you is going to go for nickels and dimes at a garage sale by your kids and grandkids. Right? It's stuff. And that's why we have to understand that we are simply stewards of what God has given us. What we have, we really don't own. As a matter of fact, the scripture says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all they that dwell therein. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What we are to distribute and to minister is the grace of God. I like the word manifold. It means multicolored. The multicolored grace of God. It's by grace that we are saved through faith. And then God gives us these varied graces to distribute to others, to minister and to serve others with. So what the, the pressure really is off of you to try to create grace for something. It's really to just flow in grace, to allow it to just flow through you. Because it's from God. Yeah. Amen. I love that. And so all of you, he says, as each one has received a gift. Well, I don't have, I'm not gifted. Yeah, you are. You are. Every one of you are. Every, every one of us are. Every person that's born on planet earth is born with a gift, is born gifted by God. Now, whether they ever discover that gift, that's their own choosing. Whether they ever use that gift, that's their own choosing. But the fact is, God's not to blame. God didn't, you showed up, you might have showed up by accident unintended by your parents, but the fact is you got here. It took God by no surprise that you showed up. I mean, you were not the exception to the rule, and he thought, oh my gosh, I have no more gifts to give. I don't know what I'm going to do with this creature. Well, all right. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just subject them to a meaningless, aimless life. Oh, David talked about what happens in the womb. 
In Psalm, it says that you were there when I was knit together in my mother's womb. God was nine months with you, just you and him and your mom forming a plan and creating, designing you for his purpose. Now, like I said, whether you, whether you acknowledge that or not, doesn't matter. It's still the fact, the scripture says, as each, as each one has been given a gift. So let them minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We understand that what we have then, that is, your relationship with God, your, your testimony is not a personal thing, as the religious community likes to say. Well, my relationship with God, that's personal. I don't, I don't talk about it. That's private. Really? You need to read your Bible because God thinks something else about that relationship. He says, go and tell others about that relationship. Your testimony. The world needs to hear your story. That's why you have a story. God saved you. Amen. And he wants you to help bring others into the kingdom of God. All right? Amen. This is not meant to be public or private. It's meant to be proclaimed. Glory to God. Now watch. Everybody say that with me again. What I have, I do not own. Now watch, verse 15. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, and to Candace 50. So <laughs> to each <laughs> according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Now watch this. To one he gave how many? Five. To another two, and to another one. Each according to his own ability. The number two thing you need to realize today is I have been given what I can't handle. Say that with me. I have been given what I can handle. That's exactly right. God has distributed a gift to you according to your ability. It doesn't make you any less valuable in the kingdom of God. He distributed you how he wants. He's the master. He's the giver. Who are we to judge that we didn't get enough or we got too much? Right? But he gives us according to our ability. So you are only required to do what you can do. That's beautiful. God's not going to ask any more of you. That you then then you can really do according to your ability. Now you might not realize you have that ability until you try it. I know that I have found that growing up in in the things of God that I didn't I didn't automatically know what my ability was until I began to step into or began to release the gift that was in me, and I realized, oh my goodness, I'm pretty awesome. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But you, so it's not about you knowing all your limitations before you ever do anything for God. Because that ability is found in the doing. Casey Stone, I want you to come up here and tell that story about the morning you and Malachi went to serve in Gainesville. All right. Um, Parrish and I were offered uh, an opportunity to lead worship at a church in Gainesville that was looking for a um, worship leader. So we weren't going to be the worship leaders. We were just filling in for them. So my niece's birthday happened to fall on the same Sunday that we were supposed to go over there. And I was elected out of the two of us to go to Gainesville (laughs) while she got to go to my niece's birthday. And Malachi wanted to go with me. And uh, right before that, I had purchased a car on Craigslist. Don't do that. (laughs) And um, so it was really nice and sunny and beautiful the, the day that I'd gotten the car. It had a sunroof and windows, and so we rolled all the windows down, and the sunroof was open, and um, I got home that evening, and Paris was out of town, so it was just me and Malachi. We parked in the driveway and went inside and went to sleep, 
and this was Saturday night. So Sunday morning, we, we got up, and um, it was pouring down rain. Like, it was raining more than I had ever seen it rain in a long time. So the inside of my car was soaking wet. It wasn't letting up. It was continuing to just downpour, and it was just ridiculous. It was really crazy. So Malachi was like, are we still going to church? Like, are we still driving in this? And I was like, yeah. And he said, isn't it a long way? And I said, yeah, let's get some towels. And I'm trying to make it fun. And I'm like, hey, let's just cover up and we'll, you know, we'll be good. And he's like, this is ridiculous. Like, this is crazy. Why are we doing this? And so I just, you know, he kind of, you know, mumbled a little bit. So we were on our way and we were about halfway there. And he said, he looked over and like, he had his head covered up with a towel and <laughs> he lifted it up and he looked at me and he said, why are we doing this again? Like, what is the point of this? And I said, I just looked at him. And all, the only thing that came to my mind was, welcome to the ministry. This is what you get. This is it. You know, I mean, this is what you see is what you get. So we, we continued on the way there. And he, you know, was still like, oh, my gosh, I'm so cold. My head is wet. I'm freezing. The rain is coming in. So we had to stop and make a couple of adjustments and putting towels on the windows to try to, you know, it was just, it was just a really long trip. So... <laughs> um, so when we got there, you know, we, we went in, and I, I tried not to make a big fuss about it. Of course, Malachi was telling all the, the children's church people, and I, they probably thought I was a bad dad, but I was like, oh, well, this is... So um, <laughs> at, during the middle of the church service, um, uh, we, have, we have to leave early because we were headed to... We had to leave early so we could make it to Dallas on time to, to lead worship there. So we were headed out the door, and we were leaving early, and a, and a gentleman followed me out, and I, he said... He said, do you drive that car down on the end? And I said, yeah. And I hadn't told anybody at all about what happened. Malachi did in children's church, but he wasn't in there. So uh, he goes, he said, do you drive the car, you know, down on that at the end of the parking spot? And I said, yeah. And he said, do you know it's pouring down rain? And I said, yeah. And he said, um, whenever I came in, I noticed that your sunroof was open and your windows were down. He was like, everything's down. Do you, you don't care? And I said, well, I can't get anything to work. I just got the car on Craigslist. And so nothing's working now. And, um, and he said, he said, well, here's what I want you to do. I've never met this man, and I haven't seen him since this happened. He said, here's what I want you to do. He said, I own a body shop in a, um, in a shop down the street. He said, follow me to my shop, and I'll loan you a car, and then, um, you know, I'll have my mechanics look at it. And I said, okay, you know, whatever. So we get in the, <laughs> I follow him to the thing, and he pulls around. He said, he said, I have this old truck. I hope it's okay with you. You know, I have this old truck and I'm going to let you borrow it. And I said, okay. So he pulls around in this 2013 Dodge Ram, like this huge silver, it's a really nice truck. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's not an old truck. And so he gives me the keys and he says, just take it. And I don't even know this guy's name. I still don't know his name. He said, just take this. The insurance is in the, you know, thing. And here's my cell phone number. If you need me, call me. And I took it. And I had it for like four days while he was fixing my car. And he just did an overhaul on the whole thing and just fixed everything that was wrong with it. And, um, and then called me and said, hey, it's ready. And whenever I went to pick it up, everything worked on it. It was good. It was perfect, just like brand new. Everything, he replaced a bunch of the stuff under the hood that I didn't even know was wrong with it. So he completely did an overhaul on the whole car, which was awesome. And it gave me an opportunity to, to let Malachi know that even though sacrifices happen, even though things that you go through, you may not want to go through, but God orchestrated that, I believe, for me to be there at that time. Because at now I know, I didn't know at that time, but now I know that that guy does not go to that church every single Sunday. 
He was, he's sporadic. He used to be a faithful attender, and now he just goes like once every few months or, you know, twice or three times a year. And so things like that, it just, it blew my mind that God would set that up just for me. Because if I would have said, I'm not going to do this, it's pouring down rain, call the pastor, I'm not driving an hour and 20 minutes Mm -hmm. to come out and lead for a congregation of, you know, 30 people, I'm I'm not going to do that because it's pouring down rain. I've got my son. And so I just, I believe that it was a completely orchestrated setup for that man to be there, for me to be there at that time. And God completely restored my car. So I was excited about that. So good. So good. Thank you for sharing that, Casey. That's so good. So, you know, God will use you within your ability. And then if you'll just trust him, I've been given what I can handle that God will make sure that he rewards those who follow him. The Lord's not expecting you to do everything, but he is expecting you to do something, and that is your part. We are all part of the body of Christ, our contributors and receivers. Amen. Amen. Don't just get in the mindset of what's in it for me, but what can I give? Amen. Verse 16, and then he, thank you, Casey, that was awesome. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. Look at number three. I must invest what I have been given. They both took what the master gave them and invested what he gave. And both of these guys doubled, doubled the money. Look over at 2 Kings chapter 3 for a moment with me. 2 Kings chapter 3, quickly I want to just give you a, a um, preview into this story. There are three kings who are about to go to war together. They're, they're in this thing together against Moab. And Moab is who, you know the story of Gideon and his 300 men, that God had condensed this army down to just 300 and they beat the Moabites. And then the Moabites would send this peace offering every year to Israel, 100,000 rams and the wool of 100,000 uh, rams. And so it was a big offering. Well, Ahab, they were singing to Ahab, king of Israel, whose wife was Jezebel. This is not a real godly couple. And um, they had this son named Jehoram. Well, Ahab dies in battle and Jehoram becomes king. Well, Moab sees this as an opportunity for them to go ahead and attack Israel with this young king and not have to do these peace offerings anymore. So Jehoram hears the news. So he goes down, down to Judah where, because Israel at the time was divided into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And so Jehoshaphat was king of Judah. And so he came to him and asked him to go to war with him. He said, yes, I'll go with you. And then they also uh, brought in the king of Edom. So these three kings are together and they're going to battle against the Moabites. And they, the Bible says that they, they well, let's, let's just pick up here in verse uh, 9, 2 Kings 3. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched on that roundabout route seven days. And there was no water for the army nor for the animals that followed them. And the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Isn't that just like people who don't know the character of God? All right? This is the king of Israel. Now, let me tell you about Jehoram, who is the son of Ahab and Jezebel, who had no interest in seeking God. He had no interest in the, the nation of Israel following him. As a matter of fact, he didn't even follow after what his parents did as far as their, their pagan rituals. He went after another king many years prior to who made, basically they made copies of all of the feasts and the, the, the ceremonies and all those things and did the Israeli things except to foreign gods. He made them, I mean, completely pervert everything that was meant to honor God to be offered up to other idols. I mean, this guy was wicked. 
I mean, when Jezebel's evil ain't evil enough for you, you got some problems. And he, now, they find themselves in trouble. And just like so many people in the world, and just like the ignorant people in church, oh God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? Where are you? When's the last time you read your Bible or prayed or anything? Because you would know a little bit better about God than that. But so when the trouble comes, freak out factor takes place, right? So here's this king who knows nothing about God. Oh, God. And Jehoshaphat's standing there, who is a godly king, and he says, wait a second. Is there not a prophet of the Lord here among us? This is beautiful. That we may inquire the Lord by him. So one of the servants of the king of Israel, that is one of Jehoram's servants, the evil king, answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah. Now look what, look what Jehoshaphat, how he responds. Verse 12. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. What? That's how he concludes that the word of God is with Elisha because he washed some guy's hands? He washed Elijah's hands. That's what he heard. And he said, oh yeah, he's a man of God. How does he conclude that? I mean, I would have to know... How many, well, how many people has he, you know, witnessed to and, and how many churches has he established and uh, is, he, is he the real deal? We've got a different kind of mentality when it comes to success and ability. <laughs> Let me tell you about Elisha for just a moment. Elisha was called by Elijah to follow him not even think, I'm not even too sure Elijah was really for the deal because he was kind of feeling sorry for himself and the Lord told him, all right, I've got another prophet that's going to replace you because he's out there crying, I'm the only one left. And God said, no, there's not, it's not just you. I have 7,000 other men and you're going to go anoint this guy named Elisha and he's going to take your place. And so Elisha's out plowing the field with 12 oxen and Elijah walks by and throws his mantle over on him just pitches it over on him. Elisha says, this is important. So he says, can I go say bye to my parents? He said, whatever. Basically what he said. And so he did. And then he went and followed Elijah. And Elijah knew that the time was coming that he would be taken up into heaven. This is powerful. Taken up into heaven. Would not see death. Would just be taken up. And it happened. And these prophets were telling Elisha, you know he's about to leave. And he'd say, be quiet, I wanna, I'm going to go with him. And so then, then he would go a little further with Elijah, and, and, and it was the day when it was about to happen, but they just didn't know when it was going to happen, when this chariot with horses of fire are going to come down and sweep Elijah up and take him up into heaven in this whirlwind. Can you imagine what, this, what a sight that must have been? And so Elisha's clinging to him, and Elijah would try to leave. He said, now I'm going to go. And he said, no, please, I don't, wanna, I don't want you to leave. I'm staying with you. I want that double portion anointing. I want what you've got and a whole lot more. So he stayed with him. And it finally happened that they came to the River Jordan. And Elijah had his mantle and he took it off and he struck the water and the waters parted and they walked and crossed Jordan. And it's at that time that the chariot and the horses came down and sweep Elijah away, swept him away and up into heaven. And Elisha saw it happen. And as he's watching up there, he sees the mantle. 
come down. He takes up Elijah's mantle and he walks back toward the Jordan and he strikes Jordan with that mantle. He says, where is the God of Elijah? Waters part for him. And the guys that saw it, these other prophets watching from a distance said, he has Elijah's anointing. This has happened before this happened. This guy parted waters by throwing a, an article of clothing on it, right? I mean, that's, that's a miracle. And yet, the th- that's when I would go, oh yeah, the word of the Lord is with him. That guy parted waters with his jacket, right? I don't know, apparently this news hadn't gotten to these guys yet that all that took place. All they knew is he washed some guy's hands. And yet Jehoshaphat said the word of the Lord is with him. Somebody that's willing to do anything for God. That testimony goes out like a neon sign. Then I can have them. I know they'll pray for me because I see them pray. I know that they'll help me because I see them help other people. They're willing to do anything. I watch how they act around church. I watch how they're always smiling, encouraging, building people up. Watch. Jehoshaphat said the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Before long, Elisha is prophesying to these kings how to win this victory against Moab if they would simply do what the word of the Lord told them. And I don't have time to go into the whole story. It's really kind of a humorous story. But it happened and Moab got beat. And it took these guys a long time to gather the spoils from Moab. And, I mean, they just really won big on the deal. But this man went from washing a man's hands, ladies and gentlemen, to prophesying to kings of nations. What you have invested, what I have, I must invest for him. Because God will, he sees what you're doing. Even when others aren't seeing that. The only guy witnessing Elijah's hands being washed is probably just Elijah. I mean, that's just, just not a glorious position. What you have invested. Well, Pastor, I'm not really, I don't, I don't really like babies. and I don't, I, don't, I don't really like kids' church. I don't know. I just need something that fits me. I don't Come on. I just want to be comfortable in what I'm doing. I just want to... You know, just every once in a while and just whenever I feel like it. And, you know, I just... Hello. Hey, you might not know what you're called to do. You might not know what the gift is. But you can know it if you start somewhere. Paul only knew he was going to Gentiles. That's the only word from God he had. So he just said, I know where some Gentiles are. Let's go, Timmy boy. And he took Timothy with him, circumcised him, and then put him on a horse and said, let's go. All right? Welcome to the ministry. Right, Casey? So, you know. So they finally get to the first city, and Tim says, is it here? And he says, no, no, Timothy, it's not here. Uh, the Holy Spirit just told me, no, we got to keep going. Okay. So they, they, they take off for the next city, and they get there. And Timmy says, please tell me it's here. And Paul said, no, the Lord told me not that. Nope, this ain't it. Can you imagine what Timmy's thinking here? What have I gotten myself into? This man doesn't know where he's going. Right? Paul just began to go. Right? 
And then God began to lead him. By the third place they got to, which was Troas, the, he saw a, a vision to go to Macedonia, and that's where, thank God he went there because it was west. He was trying to go east, and God sent him west, and that's how we got the gospel because the apostle Paul went west. And, uh, boy, the church exploded from there. Even our great hero who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament didn't have it all figured out. He just started serving. He just started investing, and God began to open the doors. Amen. Verse 18, let's continue. We got to hurry up. Matthew 25, 18. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Everybody say, "Uh uh-oh. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. You might write this down. Number four, I am accountable with what I'm given. I am accountable with what I'm given. We will all stand before our almighty God. All alone, us and him, and give an account for our lives. Walter is a good example of faithful service to God. Every Sunday for nearly three years, Walter had a routine. Just before 10 o'clock in the morning, he would open the doors to Epworth Church and prepare the church for worship. If the weather was cold, he would light up the wood-burning stove. And if it was hot, he'd open up all the windows and distribute the hand fans with a picture of Jesus on one side and an ad for a local funeral home on the other. (laughs) Next, Walter would open the Bible located on top of the wooden pulpit and read the selected scripture for the week. Then it would be time for prayer. Often, there were folks in the community included on Walter's prayer list. The latest national and world news would be mentioned, but always, Walter ended every prayer with a plea for God to remember and bless this beloved church. Every Sunday, Walter had a routine. But what makes this story so unique is that with very few exceptions, Walter began and ended the Sunday morning worship service all alone. Many years prior, Epworth Church would, was built on land donated by a neighboring farmer. But if for any reason they stopped meeting regularly, if Walter stopped opening the church doors every Sunday, the property would revert back to the original owner. Epworth Church would cease to exist. So what's the big deal? If Walter's the only one bothering to attend, let him go somewhere else or just stay home. Why not face the inevitable and allow Epworth to quietly just disappear? What harm would it do? For Walter, it was a big deal. God had a divine purpose for his life and for the church he loved. But for now, Walter must be patient. He must be faithful and he must wait. One Sunday morning, a young family new to the area visited Epworth and after meeting Walter, joined him in worship. They found something unique about this little church nestled among the trees and the old man who faithfully opened her doors. On the following Sunday, they came back and within a few weeks, their children were bringing friends. At the year's end, a pastor was hired. Today, Epworth is a small family church situated between several farms and hidden among the trees. Every summer, they offer vacation Bible school for the neighborhood, and each Christmas is celebrated with a pageant performed by the children. Many of the original family have died, and some of the children have moved away, but the miracle of Epworth has never been forgotten. On the first Sunday of August, people come from across the United States to visit the church of their youth and relive the miracle of the old man who refused to let his beloved church die. The worship service is followed by a picnic on the church grounds, and while the children are playing and the adults are eating, you may notice a family wandering over to the nearby cemetery, and if you listen carefully, you'll hear a parent telling your child, let me tell you a story about Walter. 
What you do in service to God might not seem like such a big deal in appearance or among other people. That's not what is important, though. What you always need to remember, child of God, is your life is not your own. You belong to God. He is the one and only one that you will give account to for your life on this earth. You'll give account to him for his gift of life that he gave to you. And what you did in that life, we've measured in the gifts you give back to him to build and to expand his church and to see his kingdom flourish in the earth. The lives that have been changed, the lives that are being now changed and the lives that are yet to be changed by those who choose to serve the Lord, faithful, consistent, dependable, available servants. Look at verse 20. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Boy, what a great thing. What a great thing to know that the little things matter to God. Faithful over few things. And if you're faithful over few things, he'll make you ruler over many. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said, well, that's nothing. You should have seen what the five-talent guy did. Is that what he said? No. Look what he said. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over many things. The very same blessing. The very same thing was pronounced over the man with two talents as it was for five talents. Because it's not about the amount of talents that you've been given. It's what you do with those talents. Amen. Well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear those words, well done. I do not want to hear him say, well, you're done. I want to hear, well done, Eric Holler. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Write this down. Number five, what I do with what I have reveals my view of God. What I do with what I have reveals my view of God. Notice the first two were determined to make a profit. The third guy was determined not to take a loss. The first two were willing to work hard and take risks. The third took no risks. The first two received the gift. The third refused the gift. The first two wanted to advance the master's domain. The third had no interest in what mattered to the master. The first two viewed the money as an opportunity. The third guy saw it as a problem. The first two allowed the master's gift to change their lives. The third refused to let the gift even touch his life. The first two invested. The other one wasted. The first two saw a blessing. The third guy saw a burden. The first two, they knew the master The third guy had no clue. Verse 24, Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. Ah, man, you cannot let fear be the reason why you do not use the gifts that are given to you because that will be a failing excuse before God Almighty. 
Now, you might can talk yourself into it right now, and you might help let others get around you and say, oh, poor, I know, I know, it's scary, I know that. But when you stand before the living God, that excuse is not going to work. Matter of fact, you, you probably won't even want to say it when you stand there looking at him. This guy says, I was afraid. And God didn't even coddle that for one minute. He didn't say, I understand. Next time. Oh, no, there is no next time. Now watch what he says. But his Lord answered, verse 26, and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seeds. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. At least get that whopping 2.6% working for me. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. <laughs> well, that goes great in our PC society, doesn't it? There's your one percenters. Verse 29. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Number six, what I have I must use, or what I have I will lose. Jesus said, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. Where I am, there my servant will be also. Well, guess where Jesus is? He's in his church. Jesus said, I will build my church. Anything outside of that is somebody else's construction site. Even what he has will be taken away. I want you to imagine with me for a moment that this rope is eternity. It's on and on and on and on and on. And this piece here is your life that you're living right now. So let's just make a quick comparison, shall we? To simply live... Your life here, born, growing up, going to school, go to college, get a job, and work for this little bit to retire on and to just enjoy life for that 20 or 30 or 40 years, whatever it might be. When you have all of eternity awaiting you. What is this life? What is this life? but a, an opportunity, a choice to invest in this life. Every day that you have is an absolute gift from Almighty God, and this life is temporary. You live in a body, in a physical, limited body, on a troubled world. What you do here, I like what... The great gladiator Maximus said, Gentlemen, everything you do in life echoes in eternity. That's pretty good theology. It echoes in eternity. The reward of heaven is not yours to earn because you can't earn heaven. Your, your 
place in heaven, your going to heaven is not your reward. It's Jesus' reward for what he did for you. You are his reward. You are his inheritance. But the rewards God on top of that gives you the opportunity to get rewards that last forever. I want a whole bunch of them. Now, I don't know what all those rewards are. I was telling the earlier server, there's a scripture in over in Revelation that says that him who overcomes, <laughs> Jesus is going to give a white stone. I want that white rock. I have no idea what it's about, but I, I want that white stone. If Jesus is giving it out, I'll take it. The Bible's mysterious. And I'm sure when we get into the eternal, that white rock is going to make perfect sense. But for now, it's just a white stone that I need, apparently. <laughs> so do you. This right here, ladies and gentlemen. This here. This is the reason. This right here. This is what we're living for. This is why we're living this right here. Don't waste another day thinking or making excuses for why you don't serve, why you don't give of what has been given to you. Don't, don't make one more excuse. Fear is not an excuse. Don't waste another day wondering. Just start doing. And in the doing, you'll find the knowing. Amen. What I must use, what I have I must use, or what I have I will lose. And I'll, and I'll prove that by one more scripture, and we'll close with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's turn over there for just a moment. Everybody okay? Yes. I'm here to encourage you, to inspire you. I don't, want, I don't want you leaving here feeling bad about yourself. That is not the point of this message at all. Right. If you feel bad, let that inspire you to change, not to, I guess I'll never measure. No, don't do that. Don't feel sorry for yourself. All right? Let's grow up in the house of God. Let's move forward. Amen. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now look at this. Verse 10. According to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder. Paul, Paul uh, likes his position, doesn't he? Thinks, thinks of himself quite a bit too. He says, I'm a wise master builder. And he was. I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, here we go. Here's our works. With gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day, that is the day, that very end day, the judgment day, will declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire. It won't be revealed because you... You stand there and try to convince God that you really meant to do well. Well, I tried. No, there's a fire that is going to test it. And the fire will test each one's work. Notice it doesn't say it's going to test the validity of your salvation. Yes. It's going to test your work because you're saved by grace through faith. Yeah. But you are working for rewards. The fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, that is of the gold, the, the precious stones, it will, then he will have what? He will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, that is of the wood, the hay, and the straw, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. I do not want to get to heaven smelling like smoke. Amen. Just getting through the fire. Well, I made it, but I don't have anything to show for it. 
I'm here simply because Jesus saved me, and that's all I can say. I mean, the thief on the cross, that's basically his testimony, right? I mean, his last few minutes there, hanging on that cross next to Jesus, I've spent my entire life wasting it, but Jesus, I commit to you the rest of my life. Oh, thanks, man. Two more minutes, right? But Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus didn't refuse him because he couldn't do anything good. Jesus received him because he knew what he was doing was all that man needed to get into heaven. All he needed to do was say, Lord, and that's exactly what he said. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I love that about salvation. I love that about the gospel. It's so easy for men to get saved. People say, oh, believing is not enough. Believing is everything. Why are we trying to keep people out of heaven when God did everything he could to get us there? Right? Amen. Amen. Now, we have something to do about these works. Jesus Secured our place there by grace through faith. But let's build some reward. That's, that's, Jesus said, lay up treasures in heaven. The stuff here on earth, it's going to rust away. It's going to go away. All that stuff that means so much to you right now, your kids and grandkids are going to sell it for pennies on the dollar in a garage sale. It's, it just ain't worth investing in. The kingdom of God, the church of the living God, is what God is doing. Amen. Let's live life. Live our lives for eternity. Serve. I will serve. And be willing to do what it takes. What I have I do not own. I have been given what I can handle. I must invest what I've been given. I am accountable with what I'm given. What I do with what I have reveals my view of God. What I have, I must use, or what I have, I will lose. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, thank you for for this time in your presence. God, thank you for all my family and friends here today. God, thank you for One Cause Church, that you have called us together to, to build one another up, to encourage one another, to stay in the fight, to keep our heads up and remember the cause. That is the cause of our Lord Jesus Christ. The very reason we are gathered here today, all of us heard a message that changed our lives. That is Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again three days later. The greatest message to ever fall upon man's ears is the message of Jesus and his love for us. Father, I thank you that you have made a way for all mankind, all of us, generation after generation after generation, to have a relationship with Almighty God, more than just man on earth and God in heaven, but God becoming our Father, us being the children of God, recreated in Christ Jesus. Today, if you're here today and this message is touched you. You've heard what I've said today. But you might be here and not, not even hadn't even taken that first step. You hadn't even gotten into the position where those works, your works mean anything. You haven't received Jesus' work that he did for you. That he suffered and bled and died for your sins. There is no reason why you should ever, ever, ever go to eternal destruction 
when Jesus made a way for you to have eternal life. He loves you. He loves you just like you are. And he calls to you today. If you're here and, you're, and you say, Pastor Eric, I'm not in the family of God. I'm not part of the family of God. I'm not saved. But today I want to be saved. I want to receive what God has done for me because I want my life to count for something. If you're here today and you say, that's me, please pray for me. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. I want to be saved today. It's simple. It's by your faith in God that you receive this free gift of grace. You cannot earn it. It's impossible. No man can earn it. Jesus did it for you, though. He earned it for you. He did all that it would take for you to have a right relationship with God. If you're here today, just slip up your hand and say, I want to be saved today. Anybody here? You want to receive Jesus as your Lord. Maybe you're here today and you're just away from God. You've not been counting the costs and living your life like you are accountable to him, that you, like you have been bought by the blood and you've been living life for your own self, making decisions and not inviting God in any of those decisions. Just out there living life as a child, as a son, as a daughter that's just simply gone astray. And today you want to come back to your father. He loves you and he welcomes you today. Jesus said, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Those of you that are burdened down, I will give you rest. Are you here today? You're weary, you're tired, and you need him again in your life. You need his grace to be extended to you now. Are you here? Just raise your hand. I'll pray for you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you see these hands that are raised in this room today. Father, I thank you for grace and peace to be multiplied to them even now. If we all could do this, let's just pray this prayer right now. Father, I'm coming home. I'm coming back to what I know is right. You've never left me. You've been faithful all of this time. Even when I didn't acknowledge you, when I didn't seek you, when I didn't pray, when I just lived life for myself, you've been there all along. And I repent. I thank you that you forgive me and that you cleanse me by the blood of Jesus. Right now, the past is in the past. And I am moving forward with my God. I surrender to you. Take my life. Use me for your glory. Help me to live my life for you. Thank you for always being with me every step of the way. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.